Welcome to Prone to Wonder, a podcast where no questions are off limits. Join us, Amber Humphreys, Becca Robinson, and Vanessa Fernandez, each week as three best friends, women, and ex-ministry junkies navigate conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, growth, and wondering aloud about all the things we weren't supposed to wonder. Each of us having different perspectives, these conversations aren't about having all the answers, but about giving yourself permission to ask questions and forge your own path. We're so glad you've joined us. So recently we talked about surviving holidays with family when you're deconstructing and all of that sort of changing. And we feel like there's so much more to holidays than just your family dynamics. Uh, When you start undoing the things that have been traditions for you and patterns for you and things that have even given certain holidays deep meaning for you. When those things start changing and you start questioning those, what do you, what do you do with that? Um, And so we wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit and talk about our experiences um, with holiday shifting. I know Becca has had a little more experience with this because she's been on the boat longer um, and has created a lot of her own rituals that that she's going to share with us. Um, for me, Amber, uh, I forget you guys can't see me. Uh, for me, (laughs) it's still very brand new. Um, as far as holidays, I think this is maybe my first Christmas where things have shifted for me. I experienced a lot of grief around Easter and this Christmas season is is really new. And especially because I, I still haven't thrown out. I'm not at the point in my journey and I don't know if I will get there. If I won't get there, I, I am very open right now to seeing where things land, but I haven't thrown out the, the Jesus narrative personally, but it has taken on a very different context for me. And to be To be transparent, I am still very much, I know I don't want to approach it the same exact way I have every year, but I also am not ready to lose everything. I don't want to completely throw it all out the window. And I don't, I don't even know that it means the same thing, but I think something that Vanessa was talking about was, you know, reframing it as through the lens of hope and love and and all of those things. And those are the things I do want to focus on this season are those sort of things. So anyway, Becca and I just wanted to have a conversation. Vanessa's not here due to a family emergency. Becca and I still wanted to have this conversation, talk about what it looks like for us, some of our ideas, some of our hangups, some of the, whatever you might be going through with that. Yeah. I think the holidays, Easter and Christmas specifically are very sticky times in general for a lot of people. Like even beyond deconstruction, anytime there's like these these things that have a lot of expectations around them, it can be really, it can be really hard. I think that this is a big topic. When I first started realizing that deconstruction was a thing (laughs) and I saw people talking about it online, I found a couple like Facebook support groups. I remember two years in a row over Christmas, just watching the entire tone of the groups all shift into so much sadness 
and grief. And it just felt like everyone was talking about how sad they were. They felt like they had nothing to celebrate or they couldn't go home or they couldn't connect in the same way. And I, my heart was just broken for them because I love Christmas so much. Like my favorite time of year, I'm so into it. And I felt so sad for people that felt like they couldn't connect to the sweetness of the season. But I understand because I had a similar experience when I first started to feel like I'd been I feel like my deconstruction happened over such a long time that it was almost like when Christmas I looked up and realized like, oh, I'm not in the place I was before. And I don't really know what to do about that. And it took me a while. Like it's been over 10 years. I was born and raised Christian and conservative and evangelical. Most of you guys already know that. And I grew up being taught the nativity story as the reason for the season. And in addition to that, that there was a war on Christmas and oh, that bless were, the war on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, that people were trying to take the true meaning of Christmas away from us. And we had to fight so hard to keep it close and that anything outside of a Christian spiritual significance was unholy. Of course, you know, Santa and Rudolph and mistletoe and all those things were allowed without any pause inexplicably. We just gloss over that. Um, but it was like, if we could tie Christianity into everything even better. So like, I remember as a kid around like November and December, my, I went to a private Christian school and I was involved in church and youth group and Sunday school. And it was like all the symbolism started to come. And even as a kid, I remember feeling like some of these things were reaching. So like anything that, that, could be tied into the nativity story was so like candy canes weren't just candy canes the red and the white was like the blood of jesus and snow for being pure and then the lines on the candy canes the stripes had meaning like the thick stripe was something and the thin stripes were something and how many stripes there were was something and even we the shape book. of it you had a candy cane symbolism book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like as Somebody, I think somebody got it for my kids. Like, I mean, it was a more recent thing. <laughs> like the I mean, they're lovely. The they're lovely. They're lovely symbolisms. However, it just was kind of like, how many things can we grab and lump into this and like make meaning out of it so that it fits with this nativity narrative? It was so tied in. So it was like, what was Christmas for me without the story of Jesus's birth being the complete center of it? And I, I think that's, I mean, I know that's where the grief is for so many people, this disconnect. It's like, how do I celebrate if I don't know about that anymore? Or even just if I don't want that to be the whole thing. Like around Easter, it wasn't even necessarily, you know, the loss of what I had always celebrated. It was, I found myself really sad that it wasn't simple anymore yeah like I really grieved how much meaning a lot of the rituals and stuff used to hold for me you know um that was really sad for me and I don't know that it'll be as bad around Christmas because I feel like there is so much still to latch on to um but 
I know, I know. Easter especially, because I feel like a lot of that hinges on the resurrection story as as we grew up with. So much of it hinges on, you know, atonement theory and all of that. But so I really thought that that was a tough one. And so I wonder as I feel like I haven't even had the time to like process yet Christmas because Christmas, especially as a as a musician, it it goes so fast. I feel like the Christmas season really goes fast for everyone. And so I don't know that I've had the time to sit down and go like, okay, this is what I'm going to grieve. This is what I'm releasing. This is how this feels. Like, I I don't know that I've had a chance to, to sit with it. And I feel like it's easy to kind of easier to rush through Mm -hmm. this season and just, go on business as normal but I feel like eventually that'll catch up if we do so I do want to especially when you have kids I feel Mm -hmm. like I want there to be some intentionality with like the message I'm giving them around the importance of the season because I know every year I've been really pushing like it's because you feel this backlash against you know commercialism with Mm -hmm. Christmas because it's so commercialized with I mean, everything, obviously. And so when you don't want everything to be super commercial, the antithesis of commercial, when you're a Christian evangelical, is keep the focus on Jesus. Keep the focus on Jesus. So I feel like fighting commercialism without going back to the same story in the same framework that you've always known is, can be tricky. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, it's like this experience of the season going by so fast that it almost feels like if you don't, if you don't have your bearings before it even starts, then you get kind of sucked into this whirlwind of it just happening, but you feeling disconnected from it. And I think that's really where the sadness comes from. Well, my hope is that by us sharing these episodes and by um, the Advent, the Advent project that Vanessa is doing and by the the reclaiming ritual project that I'm doing, that hopefully we can slow time down for people a little bit before the holiday season comes and give them a moment of pause to be like, okay, let me, let me be just a little bit intentional. And it doesn't have to be like, let me completely transform the way I celebrate the holidays and the way I do it with my family. I mean, maybe just listening to both of our series on this is going to be enough for you this year, or maybe listening and choosing like one thing to do that's new, that feels significant to you, even if you don't get rid of anything else, like even if you still go through all the other motions for your family or for yourself and for your nostalgia or you know, just maybe you do, you just decide you're going to jump all in and incorporate a ton of new things. But um, that was what it was for me. So it was like, my whole, my whole deconstruction kind of was happening for a long time. And I didn't have anything that took the place. And then I shared this in a past episode, but it was kind of like the first thing that made me feel like I shifted from deconstruction to kind of like reconstruction or rebuilding my beliefs was when I started to realize that nature felt really healing to me. So like, that was like the beginning of the shift. And then that set off this whole domino effect, right? It was like, okay, I know that nature is an anchor point. I like being in nature. I feel odd in nature. I feel reverence. I feel like 
if I could feel a connection to God, that's what the, that's what I think this feeling would be when I'm out in nature. And so that felt good. And then it was kind of like, it was kind of like the rabbit hole or, you know, just like the snowball. So it was like nature and then seasons was like the next thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start gardening and paying attention to the seasons. And then that was really beautiful. And then it was like the sun and moon were the next thing. And so once seasons were there, it was like sun and moon and moon phases. I feel like now are pretty mainstream with like people paying attention to like full moon and new moon and maybe doing like some rituals around it, sage or journaling or whatever. And then it was the sun. So like (laughs) that was the solar events. And this is where I kind of found what ended up being what we do in our family. So once I started paying attention to the solar events and those are like the spring equinox, the autumn equinox, the winter solstice, the summer solstice, and then there are like midway ones all throughout the year. That was when I really started to kind of be like, okay, now I've got something. So I started researching what people used to do to mark those events. And I found all of these beautiful festivals that were like at all of these times that pagan people and even just civilizations (laughs) pre-Christianity used because they were so much more dependent on nature and the sun and the moon than we are now. So, you know, winter and all of the people not being able to garden and grow food and all the animals having to be inside, it dramatically affected them. So they, you know, had to take actions that we don't necessarily have to take because we have modern conveniences, but the significances were really beautiful to me. So that is called the wheel of the year. And it's just this annual cycle of seasonal festivals based on the sun's movements. And they're observed by modern pagans. They were based in old pagan and like Northern European tribe and civilizations traditions. And Wiccans also use them now. But I just thought it was a really beautiful way to chronicle time and like pay attention to your life and be more intentional. So I started by looking up like what are some of the things that people did for the winter solstice and I realized very quickly that basically every single Christian or uh, Christmas tradition that we have (laughs) even the ones that I thought were the most Jesus-y are based in pagan rituals all of them and that was so hugely entertaining and freeing to me to be like oh okay so I don't have to do it exactly this way or or else because they actually took it from this other group of people and made it their own. So like I can go back to these original roots and I think that that's the key. So Vanessa talked about this when she was talking about her Advent um, project. And this is something that was the key for me. And I think that if you're listening and you're struggling with this season or any of the holidays in general, and you miss the simplicity, you miss the depth of meaning and the significance, then what has helped us and what I think you can challenge yourself to do is to strip it down to the core values of the holiday, right? And this is seen so easily once you zoom out. It's so hard to see when you're really in it, like when you're just really in the world of the nativity story and church and all the things. But when you zoom out, And you can kind of look across all the ways that people celebrate, like all the religions, all of the um, cultural differences, old pagan traditions, new traditions, right? We zoom out and we see these core values of the holidays that makes it so much easier for me to then be like, okay, how are we going to incorporate this, right? So to me, 
Christmas time, December, it, the core values are this idea of like turning inward, kind of like slowing down and turning inward, um, gratitude and giving fortitude, love and warmth. Like that's kind of like what I think of when I think of the season. And so I was able to then go, okay, well, what, what things can I do that are going to make me feel connected to that? make me feel like I'm slowing down and paying attention and honoring myself. And also that I could pass on to my kids and my family, like you were saying, Amber, to give them something that's not commercialized, but also not only the Jesus's birth story, right? Like something, something broader, something bigger that roots them down because I don't want Christmas. Once I take Jesus's birth story out of it to just be Santa and like all of the almost cartoony version of Christmas, you know, like that's fun and I love it. And we have fun with that and we incorporate it and we like, you know, we watch Elf and we watch Rudolph and all the fun movies and we read fun storybooks and stuff, but like actually, oh my gosh, Amber, I have to tell you, Cadence, my son is almost 10 and he has been raised this way like he has not had a deconstruction because by the time he was old enough to even remember Christmas, I was already like out of, of mine. So everything with Christmas for him has not had to do with the nativity story, but I've been really trying because like I'm in uncharted parenting territory because my parents were just all, all biblical theology all the time. So like, I don't know what it looks like to parent someone through Christmas the deep sense of wonder and meaning that's not tied to a religion and like keep him out of the consumerism trap. Right. And so my son has struggled for the last few years with really only seeing Christmas as a time for him to get stuff um, from people and being excited about that. But this year, yesterday, he was like, mom, I was thinking about it. And I was really thinking about solstice and Christmas, which the fact that he included it like together just made my heart swim. I was like, oh my gosh, he knows that it's a thing we do. Um, and he was like, and you know, the, the presents are really fun, but I think that it's really about something more than that. And I'm like having one of those mom moments where I'm like internally panicking and freaking out, but I'm like, keep your face calm, keep your face calm. Don't scare him. Like let him talk. And so I was like, uh-huh, sure, babe, what do you think? And he's like, you know, I really think that Christmas is more about giving and love and getting to see someone that you care about, love something that you gave them and spend that time with them. And I was like, oh, I'm fine, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm like panicking in, internally, like emotionally destroyed. Like I'm just happy weeping inside my body and outside I'm trying to stay so calm because I'm like if you freak out he's never going to tell you these things again and so I was like babe that's so beautiful I think you're absolutely right I feel exactly the same way it's like I just like I love when we do the candles and we talk about like the light and we all spend time together and I really like getting presents too but I think it's more just about the time we spend together and I was like oh my gosh I'm doing a good job <laughs> so I feel like trying to navigate that is so hard. So like for me, I wanted to incorporate these, these, these seasonal things that felt like they hit on the core values, right? So like turning inward, gratitude, giving, fortitude, love, and warmth. Cause that to me is what the winter time and people coming together to celebrate and be together was about. So if you start researching like winter solstice and pagan festivals and we'll be here, you'll find incredibly beautiful 
so deep, so rich, so meaningful traditions, so many of which are going to sound familiar to you because you probably already do them without realizing their roots and their stories. Um, but if you are someone who is feeling a lack of that connection, that might be the best place for you to start because something as simple as your Christmas tree and decorating it that you might just mindlessly think is a Christmas thing actually has really beautiful significance um, and really interesting history and stories for why that was a part of the pagan festivals and why they did that. And candles, like the candles that people put in their window, rolling candles, making candles, candlelight is deeply connected to solstice because so winter solstice is just, it's always like right around December 22nd. So a few days before, Christmas, Christmas. And it's the, the shortest day of the year, the longest night. So it is when the sun is at its lowest and it's going to set the earliest. And so the nighttime is going to be longer. So way back pre-electricity and modern conveniences, it got dark really soon and got really cold. So they would do fires. They would light lots of candles. They would come together and have this warmth and community and they would celebrate. And so what we started doing is one of the very first things was I bought a beeswax rolling candle kit, which you can find on Amazon or like at most craft stores. And it's just these sheets of beeswax and then a cotton wick. So simple, like you do not have to be crafty. And we sat around the table and we talked about how the winter solstice was the longest night and how people who didn't live the way we live now, how that was scarier for them. And they really needed to band together and support each other and how we were going to roll candles and we were going to light them and turn the lights off early in our house to feel connected to that and to be so grateful for what we have and to just kind of pay attention. And that was like the first, the first Christmas that I ever incorporated anything that was kind of like my own. And then we made like bird seed bird feeders, which so many of you guys might have done growing up, like, you know, those little ornament bird feeders that you make out of like pine cones and peanut butter and like bird seed. That was actually part of the pagan festivals. And they would do that to just kind of like help out the animals a little bit because food was so scarce. And it was just like this beautiful tradition. They would string up the oranges and make the garlands and like all these beautiful things that were done then. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can take these traditions that are really not that far off from what I've done all growing up. And it was almost like just turning that, turning the angle of how I looked at them a little bit, instead of looking at them as like a fringe thing, because growing up, it was like, if it didn't have to do with the Jesus story, it was like a fringe Christmas thing, right? Like those garlands were like a fringe thing. A Yule log was like a fringe thing. Candles were like a fringe thing. Cause it was kind of like, we couldn't tie them to Jesus's birth. So it was kind of like, that's not the main thing we do. But I was like, well, what if I just take all those fringe things and make them the main thing we do and really like talk about the significance of them and why they're special and focus on that and then kind of let the other stuff fall into the background. It was just like shifting the focus of it. And so that's what we did. So year after year, we kind of added more. So it was like the candles and then the candles and the bird seed and the bird feeder. And then it was like the candles and the bird feeder. And then we found a book, like a children's book about the, the winter solstice and why the people celebrated the way they did. And um, then after that, it was like, we actually did like a whole meal together around doing it. So instead of just having like a little craft time, then we did like this whole meal and we actually like looked up some of the traditional foods and soups and stuff and, and did like a spin on that for our family. And we ate by candlelight and that was really beautiful. And then like another year we added on to it where we did, um, a pretty 
well-known ritual where you're writing down the things you want to release or let go of. And we burned them in a fire at night once it got dark after the candles. And so we had everybody kind of talk about like the last year and, and what had gone on and, you know, what they didn't want to take with them into the new year. This was kind of like our moment of turning inward and reflecting and, and all of that, which is so tied to the season. And then we burned it in the fire. We had a little fire pit in our backyard. And like, even my son who was 10 got into it. My nephew, who at the time was 19, was like surprisingly into it. My husband got into it. I think that if you just open yourself up and don't put too much pressure on yourself to make it the most magical, neat, like depth of meaning, significant thing, and you just find small ways that you can add meaning into these things that you might already be doing or that were fringe things for you in the past, kind of pull them in and and make them more centered, that that alone can be a shift that makes you feel so much less like you're floating through the holiday season. Yeah, I, I love all of that. That's so good. For us, it's interesting. I wish I could show because we actually have a little nativity thing. It's um, like an art deco sort of thing because I was really adamant that we did not have a whitewash nativity scene when I bought it. Um, because I was like, listen, if we're doing this, it's sure not going to be, you know, one of these. Um, and, you know, I don't, we've even, but this year we've been especially really clear with our kids that it's been a lot more subtle shifts for us. We haven't really incorporated many non, of course, we didn't really have that many rituals before <laughs> because we're just like mm-hmm. flying by the seat of our pants. Um, but like with the nativity, we've been very clear that we don't believe that this scene historically took place in this way, just even biblically, like if you like line up timelines, you know how we were sort of taught that it, seem to be that this is more representative and for us with the story it's been more we've been sort of directing the conversation that it's not that God specifically came in the form of a human to a virgin so that this child be raised to be sacrificed to save our souls but that this story was the first glimpse in the history of humanity where people began to see or realize that God in whatever form they believed could be loving. That it was the story of a shift in humanity where they, everybody wasn't because before then um, Rob Bell talks about this too, but um, about how it was always about gods were always angry. People were always trying to appease gods. They were always trying to any God. When I say God, it's really not like the Christian big G God that I'm referring to. It's just God's God, creator, source, whatever. Um, People always believed God to be spiteful or um, have like a tally list that you had to make the right sacrifices or even, you know, rain dance, whatever. You had to sort of appease those gods. And this was kind of the first shift in humanity that was recorded anyway, where people thought of God as possibly loving. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's what we're always trying to drive home to our kids, especially as of late is God is love. If there's anything we know, it's that God in whatever form is the purest love. And that's what we believe. 
And, you know, I know there are plenty of people that believe there is nothing else. But for, for us, we believe that there's a source and that it's love. And outside of that, I can't give you any definite answers. <laughs> um, but that's kind of what we've sort of been driving to. And so I've sort of been reframing this story as that. And that's really helped me specifically with that part of the Christmas experience is reframing the story as humanity waking up to realize that there could be love in the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of been a really helpful linchpin for us. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I think everybody has to find, not has to, but I think can be so helpful to find is like your linchpin. Like what is the thing for you that connects you to the core value of what this season means to you. So like, so clearly that's love for you, Amber. For me, it was hope. What I connected to so much through the idea of paying attention to the sun and the seasons and and solstice and the festivals was what it celebrated was hope. It was hope that even on the darkest night, light is going to come back and we're going to have warmth again and the fields are going to grow again and the harvests are going to come again and everything's going to be okay. And that was what it meant to me, which is why so many of the things I do with my family are based on light and candles and food and that kind of thing, because hope was, was the one for me. And, you know, hope has been a part of Christmas since my childhood. It was part of the Jesus story when I was young, hope coming to the earth. So I think that one of the things that helps so much is having that linchpin for yourself. And it doesn't have to only be one attribute, but like, if you're like, okay, all the rest of this stuff is just fluff, but like, what is the real meaning of the season for me? And what do I want to focus on for myself and my own practice or with my family? Because once you know that it's like, it almost becomes so easy. Like you were saying, you missed the simplicity. And I feel like the holidays are so much more simple for me now because it like if what I'm celebrating is hope and connectedness and gratitude and giving and all of that kind of stuff, that's so easy. Like that's so easy to find ways to celebrate that, that feel meaningful to me. And to find that in the various holiday movies and stories and songs and traditions, like I can connect to that so easily now. It really stripped all of the fluff away for me and made it so much easier to ground into the meaning of it. And I think that that can be something that happens when we zoom out to just the core. Like if it's love, right? I mean, that's so easy to celebrate in all of its forms to show through gifts or giving or togetherness or service or just being with the people that you care about in this season. Like it doesn't require a ton of time or energy for you to like redesign your holidays to be able to focus on love yeah so we hope what you see kind of in this episode and across the the two different perspectives here is that there are so many ways to reframe and reclaim holidays in whatever way works for your family you can completely go off script and like go back to beautiful seasonal earth-filled rituals if that's a way that your family connects you can hold on to 
Christian stories, if you want, and just slightly reframe them, um, or majorly reframe them, (laughs) (laughs) um, or find yourself somewhere in the middle. And Mm -hmm. I think finding grace for yourself, especially I think when you're a parent right now, that it's okay. You don't have to feel the pressure to figure it all out. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it's it's very possible that later your kids will undo or redo or whatever something that you have, have worked through. But we're all one of the things that I've heard recently from a couple different sources that I love is we're all just having a human experience. And mm-hmm. to be human means to have seasons and to ebb and flow and to make mistakes and to go back that way or reclaim. And it's all okay. And that's what we hope you hear in this. And we hope that also you have found some tips or tricks or rituals you might want to incorporate or reframing that might help you in this season if you're struggling or if you're brand new to this journey that it gives you some things to think about. Even if you change nothing about this year, Mm -hmm. it just gives you a chance to start to think about how you might want to make this season align with the core values of your family. And we think that that's what's most important is figuring out what is important to your family. What is that? What is that linchpin? What is that core value that that lights you up that you want to pass on to your kids? And and when you do, all the other stuff can can build around that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. We hope that this was helpful. And if you have any questions or comments or anything, please get them to us. Um, AskPTW.com is a fantastic way to do that. You can leave us a voice message that can be used in a future episode. One of our coffee chats where we take questions from uh, listeners and unpack those a little bit more. We'll be doing one of those next week. So Wednesday night is the time you want to get that in before. Um, get in your questions. Uh, if you have any rituals or things that have worked for your family, we would love to hear it so we can share and help others because this is, this is a village journey here (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we're here to help and we're here to hold space for wherever you're at. So happy holidays, everyone. (laughs) Happy everything. Happy, happy, merry everything. And we love you and we are grateful for you. See you next Monday. Okay, we've been talking long enough. We would love to hear from you. Head to www.askptw.com and let us know what you think about this. Send us your questions or give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget, send us a voice message if you'd like to possibly be featured in a future episode. Thanks for listening. So you guys, we have two free community offerings to help you navigate this season. I spoke about them on last week's episode. I'm going to tell you about them again really quick. And the links to RSVP for both of them are in the show notes below. First off, our very own Vanessa Fernandez is leading a beautiful Advent, a non-religious Advent, where she is sending you weekly the most beautiful Advent readings and writings direct to your email that are focused on the core values of the season instead of necessarily one specific story. So if Advent is something that 
is really special to you and you're missing it and you would love a way to reclaim it this season, then go sign up for her series. It's completely free, just a beautiful gift that she is giving to everybody this holiday season. And you can sign up for that in the link in our show notes. The second is my series on reclaiming rituals, all about the winter solstice, similar to some of the things I was talking about here, sharing some of the rituals that my family has reclaimed, some of the nature-based ones and seasonal ones, and even the roots of some of the traditional Christmas things that you might already be doing, just giving you some ways to infuse those with meaning and significance that's not related to one specific religion. You can take what you want, you can make it your own, but that series is gonna be a free, email series as well. And you can sign up for that in the link in the show notes too. We hope that both of those things are supportive to you as well as these episodes. And we can't wait to see you in there. Thanks guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation. So connect with us, leave us a review, send us a text, find us on Instagram, all the ways. Um, We would love to hear what you have to say. So see you next Monday.